0: So, this is how it works, page 58, and they say, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So there's a promise and a condition. What's the promise? Rarely have we seen a person fail. Rarely have we seen a person fail. Who's we? The first 100 men and women who've recovered from alcoholism, right? The, The title of the book. This is the story, Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism as told by the first 100. So it is their testimony, not only of their miraculous recovery, but of thousands that they witnessed to. Make sense? So that's pretty good. Rarely have we seen a person fail. Condition is? Thoroughly followed our path. Thoroughly followed our path. Notice they did not say paths. All these thousands of people, one path. That doesn't always resonate with us, does it? And they've told us the path is not the process. The process is the suggestion that leads us to the path. Does it make sense? Because the path is the power. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So it says, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So we might want to ask ourselves at this point, if these people are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves and these are people who do not recover, then what is it they're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves about? That'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? How many of you have a theory? What's the theory? There's actually no wrong answer here, but they point us to two very specific things they want us to get honest about. So let's go back to the doctor's opinion. And I want to go to the bottom of XXVIII, Roman numeral 28. And the authors have turned over the text of the book for a time to this doctor, Dr. William Silkworth, who's giving an opinion. And he gives us an opinion of this condition of alcoholism we have, and now we're going to look and see if we relate to this opinion. Does that make sense? So we're on the bottom of that page. It says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. So how many of you felt the effect produced when Sean spoke? (laughs) Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like consciousness, we can, if alcohol is not your thing, substitute whatever your thing is. Where's my cocaine addicts? Give yourself permission to go get a bump and see if you don't have to go poop. (laughs) Right? We can bring it to consciousness. Yes? Okay. We need to get honest about that. Because are most of you sober in here tonight? Good high percentage of you are sober. But sitting here sober, you can bring to consciousness that effect, whatever it is. Yes? Okay, we need to be honest about that because that doesn't bode well for me weeks, months, years in abstinence, if that's how I remain, when I can always bring to consciousness that effect. And the first time I have a bump in the road... Well, perhaps I've overreacted. Any of you ever had that? Not safe to do even one, not even one. Oh. I'm going to be out of town. Who will know, right? Okay, so if we can get honest about that, that sense of ease and comfort, then let's jump over to page, I believe I want to go to 50, maybe 50, yeah, 50. That's what I want to do. So I'm on the bottom of page 50, it says, here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. So do you understand what the authors, regardless of what they said, they, they said half of them were atheists or agnostics, the other half believers dying in their alcoholism, but to a person they found, once they embarked on this manner of living, took a certain attitude toward this power, they told us where and how to find the power, where is the power found? Deep down within, that's which is why power, peace, happiness, sense of direction is flowing into them because they're enacting the decision. So how many of you, as we talk about power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing into, you're starting to get revelation. You're starting to feel that spirit in you move. So if you can get honest about that, that's a, you know enough about God to get started. Does that make sense? Kind of cool, right? So we've been looking outside of ourselves all our lives for our peace and comfort, philosophical comfort, and we've been looking in the wrong place. It's found within us. Yes? And, and now we're going to take a look at this decision, what might unblock my consciousness, because they told me my consciousness has been obscured by calamity, pomp, worship. Right? So it's starting to make sense why I might want to do an inventory, not because my sponsor told me so or it's a condition of the house. I might want to do it because I'm recognizing my personal powerlessness and I will get high if I don't get high. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So that's what we got to be honest about. I can sense the ease and comfort, and that's coming from the world. And I've just got a bump of this ease comfort, and that's coming from within me. I don't have to go out in the world to get it. handy little trick for an addict the hopeless variety to know. Yeah? So now I'm going to start looking at this decision. So they tell us that they're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunate. You will encounter people that will not accept the fact that even though you're feeling the spirit in them, that that is the spirit we're talking about. And if you work with enough of them, you'll know I'm telling you the truth. And that's okay. We're not trying to out-argue fentanyl. Okay? We're not that powerful. Okay? So they're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So I'm only going to have to be honest about how I'm thinking and feeling. But this manner of living is going to demand that of me so that I can grow in consciousness of the power within me. Does that make sense? Okay? So their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity, to be honest. So how many of you have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? How many of you have been here long enough, like Lance, to have learned that you are that person with grave emotional and mental disorders? And it's only half a joke because we never think we belong where we belong. How many of you made it to community bridges or some public detox on the way here? Notice there are a lot of people there you didn't want to be like? Did they point out to you, like me, that I was there as a patient and not an observer? Therefore, you belong here. Sit down, shut up. Joe, don't bother the patients. No one had that talk with them. We're going to restrain you, (laughs) Joe. I'm the only one, Sean. Okay. In this crowd, I couldn't possibly be the only. Okay. So their chances are less than average. I've got to go to our stories Disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, what we're like now. They got very specific, and over the years, we've started talking about what it was like. They don't want to know my perspective. They want to know because I've done an inventory, what I was like. I know what I was like. I was selfish. I was dishonest. I was full of hopelessness and despair and low self-esteem, but I had an ego always trying to prove to you I was better than I felt. And then I encountered this power, and pow! I started walking in a way that I was no longer those things. There was a process, but as I started walking in the certainty that my Creator dwelled within me, I lost that hopelessness, I lost that sense of guilt, shame, and remorse, and now I walk a free man, because I got free of those limiting thoughts about me, make sense? Okay. So then it says, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So what is it they have? Do you hear Sean? I don't think Sean has all the answers, but Sean has all the answers for Sean, other than the ones he's going to need tomorrow, right? Because we check in on the regular. But the fact is, they actually write down what they had, sort of a collective. You want to look at that? It's at page 25, isn't it, Sean? I think it is. This is my first time. So page 25, middle of the page. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. Deep and effective. Okay? Remember when they said the message that can hold these alcoholic types must have depth and weight? I have to have had this profound experience because I cannot transmit what I do not have. The good news is I can't help but transmit what I do have. Does that make sense? Okay. Then it says, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. How many of you have experienced such a revolution? Started seeing people not as much as annoying, but as sick people? And that they were important in your own unpacking? If you'll serve, if you'll think of their needs and work for them, that your own needs will just be met? Have you started to have that? Come on. Everyone here came here because you were helping somebody else in a very dark place. Right? Because that's how you got here. It was by convincing your mentor that you were ready to have a different life. And you started working very hard at thinking of the next guy and propping him up. Everyone here. Come on, I know this to be true because I know what happened. So that's already happening for you. So the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He's commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. I don't know if you're at that place yet, but think about your time in incarceration, those of you that had that experience, and think about the times that you sat there thinking nobody Knew about you, cared about you, wanted anything to do with you. How many of you, when you started hearing about a place like this, thought, well, that sounds like a lot of horse shit? <laughs> How many of you got here and got told, welcome home? We love you. Let us help you. I guarantee you, God did this for you. <laughs> Because look at who he used to do it. Yeah. It's not like I'm capable of any of this horseshit. <laughs> so I had a guy ask me one time, what qualifies you to be the chief executive of this place? I said, absolutely nothing. Yeah. There is no qualification for something that's never been done. I'm qualified by identity, not accomplishment." Okay. So I'm going to jump from there back to where we are. So that's what they have. Are you willing to go to any length to get it? Yes. And how many of you are thinking, well, as long as it's not too much stuff? OK, so that's OK, right? If we can just get honest with ourselves. It seems like a lot. How many of you are looking downfield already? Because we're just in three, and some of you are going, I'm not telling that son of a bitch that. (laughs) I'm not paying them back. You're never going to reach the ninth rung from the first one. We're going to have to take the stairs, right? Okay. All right. So at some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. So how do we find this power? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. Right? I'm going to have to confront my idea of what you'll think of me when I profess what's been done for me. Yep. Okay. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Why, why do I have to let go of my old ideas? How many of you have had the experience of letting go of some of your old ideas, and you thought it's okay, I'm doing better? Okay. Did you find out that you were eventually stalled in your progression? Yeah. Right? Okay. So that we all learn it the same way. I just this is them, and if we can find our experience in theirs, then we can experience what they experience, right? Which is freedom, new freedom, new happiness. Okay. So remember that we deal with alcohol. Cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? That's really good. So when we say God around here, they say power. So what do we really believe, though? We shout it out like we know, right? We know the answer because someone gave us the answer on the way in. There's one who has all power. That one is? But what do we really believe? How many of you thought today someone else caused how you thought or felt? Probably all of us, right? So if there is only one that has all power and someone else had the power to cause how I think and feel, that would make me a slave, wouldn't it? But we weren't born to be slaves, we were born to be free. So I'm going to have to get disciplined enough and empowered enough to take 100% responsibility for my thoughts and emotions. And that will require a power greater than me. Does that make sense? Even on a good day. All right. So then it says, may you find him now. So where are they sending me looking if they've just told me about the one? Deep down inside, in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. So our worldliness isn't helping us. We're going to have to look within. The answers for you are in you. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. What's the turning point? I I have concluded that my addiction is problematic and perhaps... I do not have a solution for it. And I have also concluded that perhaps you have encountered a solution that might work for me given that it seemingly worked for you. So I've got one foot in, might work. And one foot in, I'm fucked. (laughs) Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? That is what we call the turning point. Because I'm going to have to move one foot or the other because you cannot coast uphill. Okay? So it says we ask his protection and care with complete abandon, and here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Notice how it does not say here the meetings we met as suggested. So there's a manner of living that frees us from ourselves and then there's a fellowship where we go and celebrate that new freedom and introduce other people to that freedom. Does that make sense? Okay? I'm not going to read through the steps because you guys already have all the answers. You're you're ahead of me. So I'm going to go to the top of page 60. Many of us exclaim, what an order. I can't go through with it. So I hear that a lot but let's Let's remember our early day or days and we start to see what people are suggesting of us and we're frightened and we don't feel like we fit in anywhere and we don't think anyone can know the depths of our emotional despair. The last thing I want to hear is my thinking is bullshit. I've already concluded that, that's why I've been trying to kill me for years. But what the authors suggest we say is do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is, what? We're willing to grow along spiritual lines. Why? Because it's power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing into me. It's spiritual inebriation. I don't live well abstinent. I have to be imbibing in something. Power. Power. Exactly right. All right. So then it goes on to say that the principles we've set down are guides to progress. So what principles have they set down? Thus far, just the steps and what's contained in the steps. An admission of personal powerlessness, the the possible existence of a power within me that's greater than me. That's what I know. Yeah? And a power out there that is certainly greater than me, which drove me into this fun club. Yes? Yes? Because if you don't believe in a power greater than you as far as the chemical goes, then you're wasting valuable high time go go forth and slam heroin like a gentleman get reasonable, right it's either a power greater than me or it isn't no one's asking you to form a theology, we're just asking you to admit defeat, does that make sense and not because I need you to do it because if you don't, you still got a foot and fuck it Okay? All right, so we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. So here's three ideas leading me to a decision. So they've given me the all-inclusiveness of the steps, they've walked me through the first step experience, the second step experience, see how we've done that? And now we're going to review these ideas and then we're going to take a look at what a decision looks like. Make sense? Okay, so A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. So I didn't know about my unmanageability until I started moving through my second step experience, right? Because that's, I copped to it in one, but I didn't learn that it was, I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was prey to misery and depression. You guys remember that from two? So that's when I learned about my unmanageability. No wonder I was having such a tough time. I'm trying to arrange stuff out there, but all the upset's in here. Okay? That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Why do I conclude that? Most of us have tried, right? Through our own will, force of will, other people have locked us up. If you loved me, you'd stop, and I loved him, and I'm I'm going to miss you. It's not supposed to be funny, but... We get some distance and we chuckle, right? But the reality is, no human power. Even the power of someone's love for me, a mother or a wife, a child, even that power could not hold me in when I needed my ease and comfort. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right, so that's, that's B, and then that God could and would if he were sought. So that's, when we say God, what do we really mean? Power would if he were sought. Where am I going looking? Deep down within, how am I going looking? Sometimes I'm going to have to search fearlessly. Okay, very good. So it says being convinced we were at step three. Being convinced of what? A, B, and C. Right? I can't. He, he, he probably can, and he might. Right? Okay. Alright, so, so which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood Him? Now, I've, over the years, people have said, a God of my understanding, and that's a false teaching at this stage of your walk. They said, God as we understood Him. How did they understand Him? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Even though they were ha- atheists or agnostics in the beginning, their experience showed you need not be disconcerted because the experience overpowered their limiting thoughts. So it's not a God of my understanding. That will keep me sick. But a God of my experience, and I match my experience to theirs, and now I have the same understanding they had, and I can grow. And it's always in past tense. The God I understood then is not the God I understand today because he informs my steps. Does that make sense? Okay. So what do we mean by that, and what do we do? So there's the question. What do we mean, what do we do? Well, that's what the book is about, right? Okay. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So are you convinced? Based on what? Based on your experience. Now they've upped the ante, haven't they? They didn't say your experience. They said, any life. I've got to quit judging the way I'm thinking and feeling by the way I see you act or hear you speak. And if I'm honest with myself, I will require a power greater than me for that to happen. Because I'm pretty sure you sons of bitches have caused my suffering. (laughs) Collectively, not necessarily individually. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. So how many of you had that going for you? Checked your motives? Yep, motives are good then somebody didn't appreciate your motives, you are like, son of a bitch. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen? Okay. So they're going to start talking to us about my real problem. My real problem is not an alcoholic condition, although that is a real problem, but the underlying problem is a human condition that is persistent. So they're going to start laying out the scenario about people. So don't get it twisted. When they want to talk to me about me, they'll call alcoholics out. But right now, they're talking to the rest of the world. Okay, So it says, says, each person's like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. So how many of you have had that going for you? Looked around, you got them all in place, and if they would just do what you told them, okay. Says everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Do you find yourself there? Thank you. How many of you don't find yourself there or are uncomfortable with that? Because that's part of our human condition. We, we, we don't see that in ourselves. But everybody's got some of that in them. Kind, considerate, modest, self-sacrificing. Yes? Okay. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you see yourself there? How many of you find it easier to see yourself there than in the other one? See, we got to fix that because if that's true, you're going to experience a lot more of it, right? So what it says, as, as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. So it's very important that we learn what to feed. Right? There's a power in you that wants to live and a power in you that wants you dead. Which one are we going to feed? Live, 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 And that's what we're doing, sponsors, mentors. That's what we're doing when we're in the deep delusion and you can't see it. We're going to tell you things like, I love you as you are. Walk with me and I'll show you that you can start feeding that spirit within you and you will be empowered to move on eventually. And we'll just keep walking with you and showing you that until you're ready, right? What's our our theme here? We inspire, right? Inspire dignity by... Empowering the innate goodness in every human being. That's what we do in recovery. That's what we do in new freedom. Right? That's why when you walk in and we say, welcome home, and you're like, fuck that. (laughs) We still wrap you up, take you around, hand you some new chonies, right? Okay. So what usually happens the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be, and still the play does not suit him. Have you ever had that go on with you? Oh yeah. Like you got it all arranged and it still didn't come out right? With, <laughs> with employers, with employees, with So what I finally figured out about, I can't speak for anyone else, but in in this scenario, this human experience, what what always would go wrong is they're talking about the show that is my life. So I've got everyone in their part, but I'm so busy out arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, when the light pans to me to play the part that is my life, I'm not there to play it because I'm out in the orchestra pit. So I don't know if that's true for you, but that's why a guy like me has imperfect children and imperfect parents and imperfect employers, because I'm never there to play my role, and the part show can't come off. Does that make sense? And I'll never know how imperfect they were, because I wasn't on cue. Anyway, so, so anyway, it says, admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. So how many of you have found yourself in that place where all your suffering is coming from somewhere else? Then we're really trapped, right? Because if that's true, and if one who has all power is true, then I truly am cursed. Okay? He becomes angry, indignant, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? So when they put a question mark in this book, you want to get introspective. Because we're what is my basic trouble? If I'm relating, what is my basic trouble? Does that make sense? And if you can't do that, have someone help you, I would suggest don't have them change the word because it's not my testimony, it's their testimony. It's better for us, it's not as assaultive on the ego if we discover our own frailties ourselves. Right? That's why the book's written the way it is. Um, they don't need to know that I can see their frailties. They already don't feel worthy to engage, right? So I need them to know they are worthy because of whose they are, and we're gonna walk them out till they know it and show it, right? Okay, so is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? So how many of you have thought that you had to manage the entire universe? It sounds ridiculous, but sometimes we we do think that way, don't we? Like, if I'm not here, then what? We forget that, like, there was a nine-month sabbatical where I was nowhere, right? Or whatever. Okay, so did you know it was a delusion? Do you know the nature of delusion? I lie to me, and I don't know I'm lying. So don't take it out so hard on people, because when they're lying about their condition, it's not that they're lying, they don't know their condition. That's why I'm uniquely useful. I know their condition. Why? Because I have been in their very condition. Yes? Any of you relate to that? We know what we're seeing. Okay. Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? So they're now talking about me pretending I'm in charge, and one of you all figures out that I ain't in charge. In fact, you think you're in charge. And then we have an argument, a power struggle, you ever had that happen? Okay. So, and do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So how many of you have done everything right, maybe with a family member or whatever, and you were giving and you were self-sacrificing, but their response to it was such that then you went off the rails and blew the whole opportunity? So they're they're talking to us about real human interactions. Does that make sense? Okay. So our actor is self-centered, egocentric as people like to call it nowadays. Not saying that is a bad thing. This actor is any person, right? And so they're only seeing the world through their perspective. And so if you get a small enough in your perspective, then you'll have alcoholic insanity, an appalling lack of perspective, right? Okay, so he's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers are sure that all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who's lost all and is locked up. So I don't know if any of that is relatable, but if it is, fine, and if not, don't limit yourself by their descriptions. They're just talking to us about conditions of self-pity and difficulty we find ourselves in, yeah? So whatever our protestations, are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. So how many of you have just been mad? How many of you were just mad and didn't really have a particular target? That spirit of grievance will kill you. Right? So, so that resentment, although I'm using it as a survival tool, is actually killing me because it's shutting me off from the sunlight of the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. So they're painting a picture of a root. So my selfishness, my self-centeredness, I'm thinking only of me instead of thinking of you, so I have a limited perspective. Does that make sense? Not talking bad or good, we're just talking about how we see the world until we're taught to see the world differently, yes? Okay, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So fear drives it all, and it causes me to act out, to reclaim, or to whatever from, from you. If I think you're stealing an opportunity from me, or I think you're thinking less of me, or, or you're not going to like me unless I do certain things, I'll act in a way that is not authentic to me. And pretty soon, I'll find out you don't like me anyway, and now I don't like me. And here I am out in the self-pity lane. <laughs> Any of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So what I want you to know is they wrote this book at least in this stage in past tense. So I know we got people brand new and you were grievously harmed by other people. And we're not suggesting that you had any part in that, especially if it happened to you as a child. But what we're saying is as you move through the process and you get armed with the facts about yourself, you will find that you were sustained through that grievous mistreatment and you can use that survival, that grace you experienced, once you're empowered with the facts about yourself, you can use that to help someone else going through it. So you can alleviate suffering for hundreds of others once you're armed with the facts about yourself, but the requirement is I've got to let go of that grievance. I have to find purpose in that suffering. And if I can find purpose in the suffering, then it's not suffering, it's purpose. Same way leg day sucks, but you look really silly if you don't do leg day. Yes? You and me? <laughs> we do leg day, right? So we don't look too big? Gotcha. Okay, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self will run riot though he usually doesn't think so. So, the rest of the world they're just regular examples of self will run riot. They're just people. I have determined I am alcoholic. I have an alcoholic condition. I'm an extreme example of self will run riot and I don't think so. Remember, they told me the characteristic of delusion. Right. What's the chances that I'm going to live long and happily in the world? It's not, good. it's not good, is it? So now they're going to tell us about what they concluded. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. See how they're not talking about people anymore. It doesn't matter whether I think you're an alcoholic. It matters whether you know that you have that alcoholic affliction. And the only symptom that we have in common, if you have it, is that when you take it in your body, it energizes you and you overshoot the mark. And if you're an opiate addict, you know what that looks like. I'm not talking about getting dope sick. Everyone gets dope sick. But if you're energized by a sedative, that's an abnormal reaction. And if you nod out when you slam meth, that's an abnormal reaction. I've seen it. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. So now we've identified in a rough way this might be me. It might be this person. And I've got to get rid of this selfishness. And they've told me my constant thought of others and how to meet their needs is my only hope for survival. Right? They laid that out for me. So it says, it says uh, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own, own power. We had to have God's help. Now, some people say, I can just not pick up. Well, that's fine, but that didn't solve my problem because I can't live abstinent. My problem is my unrest when abstinent. Right? The main problem centers in the mind. I start looking out here for my ease and comfort, I inevitably end up in a bad spot. Yes? Okay. So we had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why do we have to quit playing God? It didn't work. And why would I know that? I might not if I haven't done the inventory, but hopefully I'm working with someone who has done the inventory, and they're going to walk me through and show me the part I played, even in the suffering that I played no part in the suffering, my unforgiveness is killing me. I'm not unpacking. I'm not using it to help. Does that make sense? And no one's asking you to do that on your own either. That's hard. But there is a power in you that will empower you to do it. Okay. So next we decided that here and after in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So what does a director do? So I don't have to be out arranging the lights and the scenery and the ballet because there's already power doing that, right? Okay, so when the light finally comes on to play the part that is my life, I'm on cue, perhaps. Yes, okay, all right. Then it says God was gonna be our director, he's the principal, we're his agents, he's the father, we're his children, Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was a keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So what concept? That we are an agent of God, not God. Yeah. We're his children. He's the director. Right? There's power found within. It resonates within me as power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction. When I run into you and we talk about this power, I'm going to feel the power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction coming back to me because we walk in a signature of the spirit. Why would I? Does it make sense? Okay. Okay. So then it goes on to tell us when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. For my friends here that have studied biblical text, signs and wonders follow us. Right? But it set a condition when we sincerely took such a position. And the position is? That's right. And we take direction, right? There's a song that says, if the wind goes where you send it, so will I. What's it mean? It means walking in that power. We had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Another condition. How do I keep close to this one who has all power? He dwells within me. So I might want to seek guidance. I might want to shed worldliness. I might want to improve consciousness through... Does that make sense? I might want to wake the fuck up, right? People think, because they go to our fellowships, that the goal of 12-step recovery is to be sober. Nope, that's a byproduct of waking up spiritually. That's why it says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this step, we try and carry this message to others. That's why you'll meet the ones that are not spiritually awakened, and they are sober but miserable. Or you'll meet people who are sober and seeming to enjoy the experience, and when you ask them, you say, oh, no, I'm inebriated. Let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> so, Sorry, just slipped right out. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway. OK, so established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. So what is the footing? I'm standing on that keystone. I'm standing on what? How did I get willing all of a sudden until I encountered power? I didn't. Willingness is divine power, and I'm standing on that rock. That, does that make sense? Okay. And so it says, interested in ourselves, we're less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans and designs. Have you, any of you figured out how little your plans and designs are as the bigger plan unfolded for you? I've told this story from here before. When we first started trying to do this, we had this this couple that walked up to Denise and I at a CMA meeting and said, hey man, you want a church? Go, yeah, we'd like to, to knock out some rooms and put like 20 people that recently released in there. And we tried to get city permits, we tried to get everything we could. We could not get permitted. Then we met the guy who wanted to buy this place. The reason we couldn't do it is our plans and designs were too little. And now you're sitting in it. And, and God was thinking of you when he did it. He wasn't thinking of me. Does that make sense? Because you're going to carry it on from here. Does it make sense? Our little plans and designs. Don't go small. You serve the creator of the universe. Go big. If your prayers don't scare you, you're not praying hard enough. Okay. More and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. How many of you figured that out? If I'm giving, I feel better, and I'm less worried about this perceived lack, and all of a sudden, I don't have lack to perceive because there's nothing I can give that I don't already possess. How many of you have figured that out? Seems counterintuitive, though, doesn't it? But then when you think about it, how do you give, it, give away something you don't have? You can't, right? Okay, so then we're gonna talk about the experience of it. As we felt new power flow in. What do they mean, new power? Never felt before, Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So it's... What did they tell us about it? They felt it. How many of you could bring to consciousness that ease and comfort that comes when you take a few drinks? You could do that, couldn't you? How about if you could start to feel new power flow in every time you think of somebody else? How about if every time you go to serve, you get more power flowing in? you'll always get more than you need when you offer it to another. Kind of cool, huh? (laughs) All right. So then it says, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind. How many of you would like to enjoy a little peace of mind? They told us in step two that they desperately needed power to philosophically comfort them. How many of you have been in a dark, dark place, all alone in your thoughts and emotions, and needed power to be philosophical comfort and could not get out of the spin. There's a power in you that will philosophically comfort you. You couldn't have got here if that power wasn't in you. Make sense? As we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, why are the steps ordered the way they are? Because once I encounter power and learn the facts about myself, I start being a walking storyteller for God. I bear witness in my actions, not so much my words. You're not going to trust my words anyway. I was a shit show just a week ago. It's been more than a week now, but some of these guys here have been around long enough to remember me, the shit show. Right? So the reality is no one ever is expected to bear witness with this. It's with this. Right? But I challenge every one of you, if you don't believe what I'm telling you from up here, walk around with me every day. The lame walk. The blind see. The captives are set free every day here. Walk around with Chap. He does it too. Walk around with Aaron. Any number of them. Jim, Paul, Sean, all of you guys. So we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter we were reborn. In order to be reborn, what had to happen? self had to die you know why it's possible for me not to be affected by your thoughts of me and your words about me because I'm dead go stand in the go stand in the graveyard and yell at the stone see if it gets up and hollers back ain't gonna happen because the self dies and I walk out a new creation does that make sense We're not trying to affect your logical senses. What I want to call your attention to as I'm saying this is how it's making you feel. Because truth has a feel. It may sound counterintuitive, but I'm speaking truth into you. Yes? Okay. So then it says we're now at step three. Aren't these guys maddening? Didn't they say that like three pages ago? Several rants from me ago, right? What happened? Did we drift off? Or did we follow? You heard something They go, wait, i got to ponder that. Let me make a note. What the fuck did he say? Stop. Wait. That spirit of revelation will bring it all back to you. It'll be fine. But we're now at step three because we all went through that little experience, right? Many of us said to our maker as we understood him. It's in italics. Guys, this is not a God of your understanding. It's a power as they understood this power. Don't get it twisted and don't tell others that this is, that's just not true. I have to have done what they did to experience what they got, right? Okay, so God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always." So I got to stop right there. How many of you speak in King James language? No. Just Sean. Yeah, most of us don't speak in King James language. So what we're going to look at the author's experience. They wrote down a suggested prayer. Number one, it's only half the prayer. That's why there's not an agreement there. You'll see no amen there because all I'm, God doesn't make too hard terms with those who earnestly seek. I'm just looking for power to go earnestly seek, and then I'm, when I get ready to go out on my life of amends, then there'll be an amen because I'm going to need agreement. Does that make sense? So I want to take away the bondage of self. You guys, that sounds a little flowery, but I have limiting thoughts about me and who I am and whose I am, and they hold me back. So I want to get that bondage off my life and start walking in who I am and whose I am so I can walk boldly out into the world and bear witness. Yes? Okay. So it says, we found it very desirable... Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. We thought well before taking this step, making sure that we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to Him. You won't do that unless you've encountered power. You just won't, right? So you're, you're going you're gonna to at least seed your thoughts about the process to the power and then start talking to the power within you, yes? This isn't about a commitment you make to your sponsor, your home group, or your... just just about the creator of the universe within you you're making this commitment to, so you might want to take it seriously. Yep. Yes? Okay. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, but it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. So biblically, we understand that principle, but even if you're not a student of that teaching, understand, they said they learned that they had to fully concede to their innermost self that they were alcoholic. Back in more about alcoholism, right? This is the first step in recovery. Not the one on the wall. The experience recorded on page 30. And I cannot fully concede to my innermost self based on a lie. So if I'm just doing it to please you or it's bullshit, it ain't happening for me. Does it make sense? i got to get honest about the experience and i got to lay it down. Make sense? Okay. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea of voicing it without reservation. My guess is, folks, you don't have to get twisted up. You don't have to say a fancy prayer in King James language. It can be whatever utterance. Many of us probably said the prayer long before we ever said the prayer. I, I guarantee you I was completely surrendered before the person who introduced me to this process met me, and so I'm sure my prayer was a little bit more like a groan. Because this isn't about doing, this is about being. And what I need to be at this stage is humble, and it was easy to be humble where I was. It wasn't something I achieved. It was something that heroin and (laughs) other things achieved. Um, Okay, so this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. So you're going to get a confirmation in the spirit of something when you concede. Now I will tell you that some people like me, I was so dead in the spirit, I had to have the guy that was with me tell me that what I was feeling was indeed the power and he confirmed it through me. I wasn't sure what was going on with me. And I've also seen outward manifestations. So I'm gonna tell you this one story so I can wrap up pretty quick and get you out of here. I had a guy that had been in recovery for about 10 years and I encountered him, and I talked a little bit about the process. And he says, I've been in, ten, in AA 10 years. I've never done an inventory. And I said, OK, well, we should probably get you through an inventory, given that you're tore up pretty bad. And so we sat down, and we went through one, two, three, and got him to this point right here. And I said, don't do anything or do whatever. But if you want to, you know, write a prayer, say a prayer, and then call me later, tell me what you felt. And I'll know whether you're ready to move forward. So later that night, he calls me, and he said, hey, I said that prayer, and I didn't feel nothing. But I have an inventory ready for you to review tomorrow if you have time to discuss it. So he didn't, you know, I told him that sometimes an inventory after 10 years in recovery might be considered an effect. Does that make sense? So he was unaware but the outward action so uh, you'll know that a decision's been enacted by the action does it make sense and that's it thanks